In today's episode, we've got reselling news, a weekly business recap of what's sold on eBay. But first, we're going to talk about why I rented an antique booth instead of a storage unit. Let's get to it. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another episode of Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips. If this is your first time here, welcome to the show. My name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster, and this channel is all about the flip life. I'll talk about what I'm buying, what I'm selling, what's going on in the wider world of reselling. So if that's your jam, stick around and see what we got. Like I said in the intro today, we're going to have reselling news, my weekly business recap. We'll look at about a half a dozen things I sold over the last week on eBay. Spoiler alert, it's mostly books. <laughs> uh, mostly, not all. So I do have something weird in there. Weird for me, not weird for others. But, uh, but first, I wanted to talk about why I chose to rent a booth in an antique mall instead of a storage unit. Now, if you've been following along at home for a while, you know I have talked about on numerous occasions two things that are not plaguing my business that are opportunities for change. Number one, I have a ton of low-value books, CDs, movies, and records that I have acquired in these big bulk purchases that I do. I've bought collections of 2,500 books, 8,000 CDs, several hundred records, and so on. And as I've talked about in previous episodes, my selling philosophy on eBay has reached a point where if I can't list something for about 10 bucks, it's not really worth the time to list. There's just not enough margin in it. Sometimes I'll lot things up into twos or threes and get it to that $10, $12, $15 range, and I'll do those. But that has still left me with literally thousands of books and CDs that don't meet that criteria. The second problem, in addition to all of that, is it has overrun my two-car garage. So I've got two things I'd like to accomplish. One, I'd like to get my garage back, <laughs> at least part of it, and uh, two, I'd, I'd like to try to get rid of some of this stuff. So I've talked about over some past episodes looking at either getting warehouse and office space or just renting a storage unit and moving all that stuff out of the garage and into the unit. As I looked at that over the New Year's weekend, I was watching some other YouTubers. I was watching uh, Froggy Flips and Cincinnati Picker, and they both talked about their antique booths. And it sparked a little research on my part to look into what it would cost to rent a modestly sized antique booth and move some of this stuff out of the garage into that booth versus throwing it into a storage unit. Here's how it broke down for me. Now, your mileage may vary. This may not be a good plan for you. Ultimately, it may not be a good plan for me. We'll see how it works out. But a 10 by 10 storage unit in my area is about 80 to $85 a month. A 8 by 12 booth at the closest antique mall to me was $170. So for a little bit more than double, I can get almost the same gross amount of space, 100 square feet versus 96. Usable space obviously is a little bit different. You can just jam everything into a storage unit if you want and probably use 80, 85% of the space in an antique booth. 
you can't use quite that much because it still has to be shoppable. People have to be able to get in and get out and get past each other. But for the sake of argument, we'll say they're roughly equivalent spaces. The advantage, obviously, to the antique booth is I have an opportunity to sell those items. So if I've got a book that's worth $4 with free shipping on eBay, it's essentially worthless. But if it's worth $4 in an antique booth where I don't have to pay for shipping and I'm only paying 7% commission, I have an opportunity to make a little bit of money. So when I looked at that, I've got essentially the two choices. I can put everything into a storage unit and get my garage back, which will leave me space to add more bulk purchases and maybe even actually park a car in there once in a while. But it it essentially leaves all that as dead inventory, stuff that is not in a sellable place. Or for a little bit more money, I can put all this in the antique booth and have some chance to sell a few things here and there and claw a little bit of that money back. When I did the math, it worked out for me. If I can do somewhere between, and this is totally ridiculous, but between three and $4 a day in sales, I can make enough money at the antique booth to basically make it a wash to having just stuffed all the stuff into a storage unit at three or $4 a day. I'll gross, call it 120 bucks a month after the fees. I'll make about 80 or $90 a month. That is essentially the difference between renting the antique booth and renting a storage unit. So at that point, my net expense is exactly the same. And I have an opportunity potentially to do a lot more. If I sell 10 or $15 a day, that booth will be actually become a revenue generator for me. So at the end of the day, it kind of became a no-brainer. So I decided I'm going to go ahead and try it. The minimum time you could sign up for was a three-month term. So I'm doing the three months. I loaded the stuff in there over the weekend. Um, I've already generated some sales. It's not quite where I want it to go just yet, but I don't have everything over there. But it is starting to grow, and I think the opportunity is there based on what I've got in there to generate a little bit of money. So we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Maybe a total fiasco, at which point I'll close it up and move everything into a storage unit. But I thought it was worth a shot based on what I saw other resellers being able to do with antique booths. So let me know what you think of that. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I flashed some pictures there of the booth. If you are in the greater Cincinnati area, please stop by. It's booth 504 at the Westchester Antique Center. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Cincinnati Picker also has a couple of booths in that center, so you can kind of kill two birds with one stone and visit his center or his booth as well. With that, since I've got some expenses there, it's probably as good a time as any to do the weekly business recap. So obviously some startup costs. I had to pay my first month's rent. I had to buy some bookcases to display the books, get some fixturing. So I did spend a little... Actually, I spent quite a bit of money last week. (laughs) This is going to be the ugliest weekly business recap I've done in quite some time. Uh, In addition to all of that, I bought some racks for said garage so I can kind of maximize my space in there. Uh, Mostly that stuff has just been sitting on boards and pallets on the floor. I'm going to try to take advantage of some vertical space by putting in some shelving in there. That stuff is due to arrive today. So that's my afternoon project. Uh, So I spent a lot of money last week. Um, 
essentially I spent my stimulus check <laughs> doing all this stuff. So for the week, I was busy, obviously, with doing the antique booth. I, I averaged probably 15 hours a day last week pricing stuff to take over there and building the bookcases and moving stuff back and forth and all that. So from a listing standpoint, it was a terrible, terrible week. I did 20 listings for the week. To the point of if you need to continue doing listings to continue doing sales, this would be the first week I guess I really, really put that to the test in a big way. Uh, I only listed on two of the seven days last week, and my sales were fairly consistent. I still did $1,245.86, so pretty much right on target with the roughly $1,300 a week that I normally do. So no complaints there at all. Uh, cost of goods sold was $39.45, leaving me with a gross profit percentage of 96.83%, $1,206.41. I would expect if I begin to sell any significant amount of merchandise at all out of that antique booth, that that gross margin number will start to drop, the percentage, because the books and the CDs and the movies and the stuff I have over there while profitable, they're not going to be $25 books that I own for $0.25. Cents. They're going to be $5 books that I own for $0.25. Cents. So it's going to be a little bit different scenario if I move a significant amount of merchandise out of there. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Obviously, money is money. I'll take it. The, the percentage doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it's the gross profit dollars that make the most impact on your business. Operating expenses for the week, like I mentioned at the outset of this particular segment, were astronomical. <laughs> uh, I spent $1,019.73 last week. So the bulk of that um, still was shipping costs for my eBay orders, but I spent uh, about $400 on shelving and bookcases and racks. I prepaid essentially a full month's rent the booth at the Westchester Antique Center. So $1,019.73, big, big number by my normal standards. That left me with a net profit of 14.98%. So even with all that extraordinary expense, I was still in the money. I made $186.68. Not a ton. I wouldn't want to do that every week. Uh, but that was, like I said, kind of extraordinary expenses for one week to kind of get this thing started up. Like I said, we'll keep you posted on how that's doing over the next three months and whether at the end of that three months I decide to continue on with that project or uh, stuff everything into a uh, storage unit. So with that, if you are listening to the podcast, we are going to take a really quick sponsor break and then we will be back with reselling news which is not a big recap this week and what sold on ebay stay tuned thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're on apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid please leave me a review that would be awesome if you're listening anywhere else there's a link in the show notes to my pod chaser page where you can also go and leave a review be sure to check me out on youtube at galaxy cds rocks and flips and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again. News updates. All right, let's kick off this news. At the time of recording, 
eBay is once again having major, major issues with their managed payments program. There are posts all over the interwebs this morning and from right here in the Batcave of payment deposits that either failed or supposedly were declined by the banks. There are hundreds of people squawking about, including yours truly, payment supposedly was processed and it shows as declined waiting for retry. There are other people whose um, payment indicator just says payment failed. The last time this happened, it did not affect me and it was resolved within the same day. eBay got the payments out by later that day. So there was really no major disruption. Uh, the payments went out the same day. The deposits were still in the bank's the following day or two days, whatever your bank does, kind of like normal. But this is just another example of eBay's growing pains with their managed payment program. This coming on the heels of last week announcing that they are going to roll it out to additional countries. I'm just a, a lowly reseller with 30 plus years of retail uh, management experience who would say to eBay that perhaps they should wait on rolling this out to additional markets and additional people until they're able to get this resolved. It's never going to be completely problem-free. Nothing ever is. Systems fail, software crashes, things happen. But this is a regular ongoing occurrence. It seems like every couple of weeks, eBay is having some kind of issue with managed payments, be they on the processing side or the payment side. So uh, for what it's worth, uh, this guy's advice is that maybe they need to slow down even further on their rollout and get the quirks worked out for their existing sellers before they roll it out to new ones. Moving on, uh, just a couple of quick things to report. The Guardian, which is a UK uh, news organization, is reporting that there is a huge, shocking, huge online reselling boom in the UK. Uh, that's my shocked face. Uh, <laughs> uh, the headline, Harry Potter and Michael Buble fuel UK online reselling boom. Sales jumped more than 22% last year as secondhand books and CD sales soared. Uh, they cite a particular seller in the UK, Music Magpie. Online reseller, their sales jumped more than 22% to nearly £120 million in the UK as sales of secondhand books soared by 75% and consumer technology, including previously used smartphones and games, rose by a fifth. Uh, in the final months of the year, where the UK went into a second severe lockdown, secondhand book sales were dominated by J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter books, and the Michael Buble Christmas album led the way in festive CD sales. Uh, sales overall of used goods jumped 30% on eBay between March and June, and that trend has only continued. So that's not really, I guess, news. Most of us who are in the reselling game already know that, but uh, The Guardian in on the action. Uh, the only other thing I've got for you, uh, this could be problematic, and it's something I've experienced um, as a consumer, not as a seller. Uh, there's an article on e-commerce bytes. Will marketplaces soon tell returners to just keep it? Amazon and Walmart are telling buyers of unwanted items that they can have their refund and keep it too, allowing shoppers to keep items they want to return, according to the Wall Street Journal on Sunday. There is precedence for thinking that that may come to eBay, Etsy, 
Poshmark and so on, because large retailers are, the article says, why online shoppers expect free shipping and other customer-friendly policies. And that's something we've talked about in this space before. I blame Amazon for the whole free shipping and the two-day handling and all the rest of that. Uh, Walmart's current Keep It policy is based on the data, according to the journal. A Walmart spokeswoman said the Keep It option is designed for merchandise it doesn't plan to resell and is determined by customers' purchase history, the value of the products, and the cost of processing the returns. I may have talked about this a couple of months ago. I had ordered some equipment for kind of the YouTube podcasting studio here, and it just didn't work out for me. One of the things I ordered was just a cable. It was like $5. I tried to use it in a secondary option, and it introduced some feedback into my system, so I wanted to return it. And Amazon told me to just keep it, and they gave me 100% of my money back. So this is something, and, you know, at the time, obviously, my feeling was this is something they're not going to try to resell. It's a super cheap item. It's not that big a deal. Where it becomes potentially a concern is I know that that item was purchased from a third-party seller on Amazon. It was not an Amazon-owned item. I don't know how Amazon handles that. Do they eat that return? Do they eat that money? Or do they charge that vendor back? If you are a seller on Amazon and have had that happen to you, let me know in the comments or reach out to me at galaxycds at gmail.com and let me know what your experience has been on the other side of that. I'm curious if the the actual third-party sellers are taking the hit on that or if it's something that is solely being handled by Amazon. Speaking of sales, let's get into a quick what sold on eBay recap. Like I said, it is a bunch of books and one outlier item. And much like, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, it was a big week for books about the Navy. Uh, We're going to start Building Warship Models, A Comprehensive Guide to Building Fine Models. This book came out in 1974, and it was an illustrated guide to building model warships really if again if you're into that kind of thing really interesting book uh this went for twenty dollars with free shipping on a best offer another book about the navy this time the anatomy of british sea power a history of british naval policy from 1880 to 1905 the interesting thing for me about this book is it went to a professor at purdue university so this book will get put to good use this went for $25 on a best offer, free shipping, uh, out of the big lot that I talk about every week for $0.25. Cents. Something that is not a book. <laughs> uh, a pair of shoes, uh, women's jazz low pro sneaker, size 10. I picked these up at a garage sale back in August for $2. I had them listed, I think, for $34.99 or best offer. Plus shipping, I got an offer over the weekend for $27 plus shipping. I own them for a couple of bucks. So I went ahead and took that and got them out of here. I don't sell a lot of shoes. I'm not sure I would buy used shoes again. These things obviously sat here for quite some time, but I did make a pretty decent amount of money on them. Back to the books. Uh, Libya, the Lost Cities of the Roman Empire. This is kind of a big coffee table type photo book of 
ancient architecture within Libya. This went for full price, $29.99 with free shipping. Uh, this is another item that I own for a quarter. Another $29.99 book, another book out of that big lot, The Prospect for America, the Rockefeller Panel Reports from 1961. This was an ex-library book. That is something that seems to, for some reason, command at times a little bit of extra money. So don't shy away from ex-library books, the books with the markings on them. Sometimes they even still have the cards in the back. There's something about those that people seem to like. So this went for, like I said, $29.99 with free shipping. It's also out of that big lot for a quarter. This was a big book. I've actually got two of these. So I've still got one left. So if you're interested in Soviet naval history, go to my eBay store and grab this last one. $39.99 with free shipping. The Naval Institute Guide to the Soviet Navy, the fifth edition from 1991. This is a big, oversized, again, kind of a coffee table-sized book of information about the Soviet Navy. This was also part of that big lot, so it's another one that I own for a quarter, $39.99, and I've still got one left. Another book about the Navy, this time World War I era. This was part of a big series of books. I had all but one of the series, or I would have tried to sell this as a complete set. As it was, still a really nice sale. From the Dreadnought to Scapa Flow, Volume 5, 1918-1919, Victory and Aftermath. This was uh, apparently a really well-thought-out and well-researched series of books about World War I naval warfare from the prelude to the war right through the end. This item was Volume 5. I had it listed for $54.99 or best offer. Received an offer of $48 with free shipping I own it for a quarter, so boom, it is on its way. And now, a kind of underwhelming flip of the week. It's another book about Navy, and unlike the last few weeks where I had some really, really massive flips, this thing only went for 50 bucks, which still is not that bad. I own it for a quarter. If I could turn a bunch of quarters into a bunch of $50 bills, I would do that every single day. <laughs> uh, Jane's Fighting Ships, 1998. And 1999, I've I've shown this before. I got a whole bunch of these in that big lot of books for 25 cents a piece. These are massive, again, kind of coffee table sized, I guess, almanacs of worldwide navies. Talks about all of the ships. It's got tons of photos. These things are really popular and obviously can command pretty decent money. $49.99 with free shipping, even media rate. This thing was so big and so heavy, I think it cost about $7.50 to ship, but a still a fairly nice flip. Not, not the $200 CD or the $460 book of the last few weeks, but still pretty nice. All in all, a really solid week, some nice sales, and hopefully some new opportunities. With that, we're going to close it for today. If this is the kind of content that you like and you've enjoyed the show, please do me a favor. If you're watching on YouTube and whack that thumbs up button, I would appreciate it. It helps out with the eBay algorithm and all the rest of that noise. If this is your jam, please think about subscribing to the channel. I do videos and podcasts every Sunday and every Wednesday, and sometimes I throw in a random one here and there, so you just never know what's going to go on here. With that, I hope you are well and staying safe. And now, it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. 
You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.